Naturalized. This is the beautiful game described by two ugly gentlemen. Glory to Columbus. Who are probably sitting at a soccer bar near you. McBride's in the box. A hard cross. McBride scores. It's 3-0 United States. Welcome to Bone and Bean United. Happy Soccer Podcast Day. What is up? I am Bone. And I am Beam. Lots to get into today. We are going to talk about, uh, I think we're going to jump into some J-League soccer. We're going to swing over Japan, look into some of that stuff. We're going to check out what's going on in La Liga, like in-depth, hardcore analysis of the back half of La Liga. Break down Corinthians' new Japanese-inspired jersey, Sorry. their title race with Flamengo. Corinthians. Yes. Please. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Liga MX. We'll get into all of that. Mm-hmm. Or we'll do none of that, and you you already know what we're going to talk about, which is we're going to talk about the crew firing their head coach yep. and missing the playoffs. That's yep. what we're going to talk about. So uh, we'll get into all that, maybe some Premier League at the end. Beamer, where do you want to start with this one? Because um, we can e- easily go into that game. I don't know if we need to break down the game much, because do crew fans really want to relive again? Not really. What this team does so well. The 2022 team will be remembered as... The team that did just the amount below what was required. Correct. In any game, almost any game that, that you can think of, that's that's basically what happened. The amount to disappoint you the absolute most. That's where they would land every time. Yeah. No matter what the effort, no matter what the outcome, no matter what the game, it felt like they found ways to disappoint you. So prior to this game, I was saying after Wednesday's game, the midweek game, I had said, we talked about it on the podcast. I had no faith that this team was going to make the playoffs. Me either. I was with you. thousand percent. Everybody was saying, oh, all they needed is a draw. They're the kings of that. It's yeah. Like, yeah, I get that. But they've also done everything to disappoint you. They hadn't given me the track record this week to prove anything otherwise that they were going to actually do what they needed to do when it mattered. Yeah, I agree. And so that's that was where we both landed last week. And I had people, I was saying, like, after it happened, I, I tweeted out, like, were any of you surprised by this? And I had people say, well, yeah, because I thought they would tie because they're good at tying. I'm like, don't, again. It's not how it works. You're forgetting what their problem was all yeah. year. Their problem was they needed to win games at certain moments, and they would end up with ties, especially at home, especially after the 90th minute, especially after the 75th minute. And the reason was because they could not do the things you needed to do in those moments to secure victory on the day. Victory on the day on Sunday was get a win or a tie. That was your victory. That got you into the playoffs. They could not achieve that. So why did that keep occurring is the million-dollar, multi-million-dollar question, right? Was it because of uh, lack of execution from the players? Was it because the players just can't focus after 75 minutes and they just forget how to play soccer? Is it because of coaching? Is it front office making bad moves and these guys just don't play well together? Is it all of the above? I mean, I think, yeah, I think there is a good percentage of all of that that plays into it. But I don't know, Beam, where where do you typically go when your teams, just in general, let's take it away from the crew for a second mm-hmm. or soccer even, where do you typically go when you have a problem with how your team's playing? Do you typically land on coaches first as the blame do you sometimes key in on a certain player like what's your if you're going to get down on your team where where do you typically find yourself landing so usually to me the hierarchy we're talking about like blame game right yeah usually the hierarchy for me 
for blame game goes. And we'll use the Chicago Bears as an example because yes. I feel like that's a pretty good example. I feel like that's ripe opportunity to discuss this. Neighbor year. Eric has no clue of any guys that I'm about to mention. Yep. But you look at the Chicago Bears. Obviously, they haven't had a quarterback in forever. They could. There's an argument that they've been worse at the quarterback position than the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns have stunk at that position. Yeah, um, they're bad. There is an argument that they haven't had a great head coach since Lovey Smith. They moved off the of Lovey too early, and now they've had turmoil in their organization. And there is also uh, the argument about general manager, front office people. Are you bringing in the correct talent and playing the right style to marry up with the coach? Now, usually that starts with the very opposite of I just gave you. My power ranking for blame game usually goes general management, It goes roster construction, and then it goes to coaching, and then it goes to the players. Now, obviously, there are times and situations where that can get flip-flopped and that can get mixed, but if I'm doing it just as a general outlook and as a pyramid, it's mostly that way. It's management, coaching, players. Right. So you look at this situation, and I think Tim Bezbachenko has done a really good job constructing the roster. Yeah. I think he's done a tremendous job of doing that. You bring in Cucho this year, obviously very good, set the world on fire in his first couple of games. So you could look at Cucho's over the last month and say, well, you didn't deliver. You didn't do what you needed to do to get us over the hump. You started off by lighting this league on fire. And now, okay, he waned towards the end, still scored some goals. Obviously, better player to have on your roster than not. Thought it was a brilliant signing from Tim Bezpachenko. You look at the roster and the way that they're currently constructed. I don't think anybody in the crew family who is a crew fan would say that the problem with this year's team is the roster, right? I, that's see exactly. I, I agree with you on that because I think that roster has shown they've got quality in it at various times. Now, certainly they, they had letdowns yes. in this season, but this is, I, I do not feel it's a problem with the roster. Totally. There are, Certainly holes. Yeah. On any team, there's going to be holes. And but it doesn't matter whatever sport. There's going to be a hole in your team at well, certain spots. Like to that point, you brought up Cucho Hernandez. There was a hole at forward to start the season. They brought in Cucho. Cucho got nine goals and two assists this year Yeah, in 16 matches. It's a good, good ratio. Well, and for those who maybe don't follow MLS as much, if I can't, I cannot wait to bet on the overs for next year for Cucho goal and assist totals because Typically in the first year a guy comes into the league, he's just getting the speed of this league for him to come in and bang nine goals in yeah. in 16 games coming in the middle of the season, right after playing a full season in the premier league. Yeah. I mean that, yes, that guy is good. I think next year he could be an easy, he could have a chance to get well, high double digit goals, possibly be a, a golden boot contender. If things break the right way, there's a lot of scoring talent on this team, but he clearly he. It's not like he had a bad. Well, you can half you can season. you can watch him and say he's got it. He's yeah, got it. Did he miss some of his chances that, that he probably should have made? Even in the midweek game last week against yes, Charlotte, sure. Yes. Did he miss some this past weekend? Yeah, sure. That's arguable. You see, top tier strikers in the world miss their opportunity sometimes. It happens. That's the way the game. And I know is that that was the big knock against Giassi, right? Like that was the gigantic knock against Giassi. Oh, he can't do it anymore, and he blows more than he actually makes. Whatever. I'm not here to talk about that. But this roster, the way that it was constructed, was not only set to just make the playoffs. This roster was set to go deep into the playoffs and contend for a cup. 
So you could argue some of the players, okay, did you have mental breakdowns? Did you have physical breakdowns? Did you put some opportunities away? Yeah, absolutely you can say that. Did they play their best for 90 minutes all the way throughout the year? No, not at all. There were some lackluster performances, especially in this stretch run during this part of the season. Jonathan Mensah, captain, had some good games, had some horrible games. Aloy Room, middle of the season, same thing. Lost his form, found it towards the end. And so you start to piece all this together and the thing that I can't get over is back to the back to coaching. It's not lucky. It's not unlucky for the crew. And I said the same thing last week before we got the news of Caleb being ousted as the crew's coach. It's not unlucky for this to happen as many times as it did this year. Is it unlucky for it to happen two times, three times? Sure. You can say that. This is what the team's MO was. When they needed to park the bus, when they needed to defend, they decided to attack. When they needed to attack and take the game to the other team and step on the throat, they didn't, and they parked the bus. And they got tactically, at least from my 30,000 view, every step along the way leading to this missed playoff, they tactically got it wrong. And somebody had to fall on the sword. You go and you look at the cruise contract situation for next year, there's like 10, 12 guys that we don't know if they're going to be in Columbus, what their futures are here. Somebody had to fall on the sword for this. And I think tactically you could point to over the last two years, what has been the main complaint about this team? They don't win games when they should. Yep. And unfortunately for Caleb Porter, he is finding that out. And so I guess in the power rankings and the way that you dissect this and who the blame should go to, I think it's fair that the manager got the blame for this. I do too. I, I, again, to go back to that whole blame game thing, I tend to ultimately, and I know it's a simplistic thing to do. I do tend to blame the coaches first or the management, even if that includes team management first, just because I think it's, that's a tendency a lot of fans have, right? We, we like the players. We know the players, we wear their jerseys. We watch them play every week. We don't wear, you know, manager jerseys. We don't, I don't go up and get a Tim Bezpachenko t-shirt, you know? So like, Obviously, I don't have as much of an attachment to those guys sure. as maybe I would to Lucas Zellerion or something like that because I'm rooting for that guy. But I do not like seeing people get fired for no reason. Nobody does. I d- and I know, like, I've been sounding the alarm about this guy, and I've been a big critic of Caleb Porter's. I will fully wear that if that's, you know, the criticism of me. Yeah, I've been very critical of, of Caleb Porter. But the reason that I was critical is simple. And I'm not trying to like take a victory lap or say I was right. I take no joy in seeing someone lose their job. What I what I also I, don't take joy in being a fan of a team, seeing your team in a situation where you need to fire someone. Well, that's it, right? I I take no joy in the fact that it came to any of this. I would much rather have this team been let's say they just didn't let in the goals they let in after the 90th minute this year. Okay? That means they would have been a clear playoff team and arguably in the fight for a top four seed, Yeah, which is where they, that's where they belong. That's who, that's the roster. I think this team has because they couldn't do that bit successfully. They are now a non-playoff team and you had to fire your head coach over it. That is not something that seems like you need to overhaul the roster, fire a bunch of players, redo this whole thing. I still think this team, and maybe I'm misguided, maybe I'm just fond of this, a lot of the guys on this team because of what they did in 2020, but Caleb Porter was part of that too. I I feel like the core of this team still has that championship caliber within them, and I do think they can reach that level. My concern is 
and has been style of play tactics. And like you said, Beam, you nailed it. There's so many times for this team, it would seem like, you know, it'd be good to do right now is just absorb some pressure, possess the ball, slow things down. Let's just get out of this with the one, nothing win. And then you would see them bombing forward out of nowhere. And then there would be times where you'd think, gosh, they really seem like they could run on this team. They could push. And then they draw back and park the bus and a goal. Like it didn't matter that each of those, I'm, I'm not even saying Caleb Porter was inflexible. It just started being a thing where, if he said the sky was blue on that day, it happened to be green. Yeah. And it's not that it, I'm not saying like to disagree with him. I'm saying it just so happened. I think he lost touch with what needed to happen in these games. I think mm-hmm. he got either two inside. and said, he's obviously a smart head coach. He's of been a smart he head coach for, for majority of his career. He's been very good. But one thing that is odd about his tenure, and I don't know what to attribute this to. Let's take away the time where he was the, I think you 22, was it the U23s? I think he managed, yeah, and that, team, right? that didn't go well. But outside of that, managed at Akron. They won a championship, and then, you know, that's college. That's a little different, but they did win a championship there. And then he goes to MLS, and in Portland, he had this exact same thing happen. Won a championship, and then you saw it never quite get back to what he was in that championship run. And so I just wonder, is that something to do with him motivationally with the players tactically maybe all the above could it also be the league kind of wises up to what he does sure I think that's something with like once he gets his group of guys in the first couple years teams have trouble adjusting to it but but I I think there has to be something behind the scenes where players just tune him out after a few years and it and I don't know why I'm not saying that that's even his fault necessarily it it is he he's doing what he I'm sure knows how to do the best he knows how to do it, but clearly the players don't seem to buy what he's selling after the first couple of years, and I think that's clear because you have players that have learned, or beforehand they're hungry they want to win they they I can't wait to we got to climb that mountain together you know so the coach is screaming at you like he's yelling mm-hmm. at you he's trying to get all this stuff done it's trying to pull the best out of you right and yeah. and you kind of tolerate it or put up with it or whatever it is because maybe even you feel connected to the guy because you're like yeah we're in this together but we're winning and then after you win now that same thing is like hey forget all that happened let's start over and we're right back to getting you know that type of approach that's why I think coaches like Phil Jackson even as much as he's been talked about as one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time so underrated, you know, Bill Belichick, same thing. They're, they're underrated in the sense that they found ways to motivate guys mm-hmm. who didn't need the external. They, they had the external motivation satisf- satisfied. They got the Super Bowl ring. They got the NBA title, the MVP, whatever it was. And he yet still found ways to keep those guys motivated, hungry, and not just, I'm not talking motivating Kobe Bryant or, or Tom Brady. I'm talking motivating the guys around them that, if they will buy into the system, it will work. That's like, I mean, I know they're not totally opposite of the spectrums. Like, take my guys for advantage. You know, United, take Fergie. Look at the team that he won the title with. Like, in the, you go to 09s and, a, you know, 10, 11. Like, you go to those years and you look at that team. You have Wayne Rooney and Cristiano Ronaldo and Carlos Tevez and Nani. Like, you've got good yeah. talent. Yeah. You also have, like, Tom Cleverly and <laughs> right. Anderson and all these different guys. I'm forgetting the even the twins' names like Felipe, like all these different all these different guys, and it's not about motivating in the crew sense. Lucas Alarion and Cucho, 
to do their job. Right. Like those guys are going to be better than most of the players on the field day in, day out. It's about motivating the guys who are coming in for 20 minutes when you need to need them to step in and make an impact in the game. It's about getting that right. Because on more days than not, your big players are going to play fine, and that's why they get paid the amount of money and the respect that they do. It's about motivating the other 75% of your team to go out there and listen to you and work as a whole. And so it's just somewhere along the line, it went awry. Yeah. It went around. I yeah, don't know where you can't pinpoint it. And again, last year, I know that we talked about this literally at the same spot last year for all intents and purposes, Caleb Porter, I believe was given a free pass because you're coming off the cup run and this team had a lot of injuries. But if you remember bone, you and I were sitting here talking about it, you were. doing the same exact song and dance about like, you cannot drop points early on in the season and expect that not to come back and bite you in the ass. And I said the same thing this year, when the crew started yeah. to do this whole song and dance, win one, lose one, draw one, draw two, win one, not win two games in a row. It felt like the same roadmap, but you take out for a majority of the injuries that you battled through last year. And it was the same thing that happened over and over again. How we got there doesn't matter. Tactically doesn't matter. The results at the end of the day were not good enough. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, it'd be great if this team made the playoffs. Because they're really good at drawing. Like you mentioned, I think this team, the way that they were designed in the playoffs, of course, are going to be a tough out just because of the brand that they played. But no. somewhere that went awry for this team. And now you're going to be looking for a new head coach. I, I think you hit the nail on the head as well by bringing it up. This is like we didn't even touch on this yet, but I think most crew fans know this. But in case you're not aware, this team did not win back to back games all season. All long. year. All year long. It's ridiculous. That. Why did that happen? There's been three right? teams in MLS history who have won, who have gone through an entire season of not winning back-to-back games and make the playoffs. You could have been the fourth. Yeah, this would have been it's a not pretty a good, historic opportunity. It's not a good it. stat to have. No, you're not. You're not aiming for that. That's. It's kind of ridiculous. They were even in playoff contention given that stat, right? And that's the problem that I have. And and I. I do think that goes a lot to Caleb Porter, right? It goes to motivation. It goes to tactics. It goes to Guys believe, you know, because again, manager says, this is what we need you to do. Second half, I want you to do this. And your players come out and go, I don't like it. But they they know they have to do it. If you've ever been in a, and I'm not saying that happened. I don't know. Maybe all the players in the locker room were like, hell yeah, Caleb, those are great plans. I love it. I can't wait to go out there. And then they just screwed up. They yeah. always just screwed up. That could be it. I don't know. But I do know I've definitely been at jobs. I've definitely been in positions and occupations where I didn't agree with the overall plan. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever been in that position, are you motivated every day when you come into work to go out and like go the extra mile and do whatever it takes? Or are you kind of going through the motions because you say, I don't really agree with this. I don't like this. I don't know. I'll do it. I'm trying. You're trying your best to maybe even psych yourself up for it, but you just can't replicate the motivation you get when you fully believe in the vision. And I have to wonder if the players fully believed in the vision of Caleb Porter in this situation. It, It to me seems like that did not that has to be at least a factor in this. Um, there's another factor I want to consider, and I I hate to bring this up because I do like this guy a lot, but I think everything has to be evaluated by the next head coach. Everything has to be on the table. Yeah. You have to have leadership on the field that the guys respond to, that your players respond to. And I don't know. I I tend to think he's a good captain. 
I have liked this guy a lot. He seems like a hu- tremendous human being. I, I love Jonathan Mensah. Dude seems like one of the genuinely best people that's ever been a part of the crew organization. Yep. And his story has been awesome that he came here, had a terrible year at first, and then really turned it around and worked to being the captain of a team that, you know, went and won MLS Cup. Like, that's a huge feather in his cap. But just like a coach, I do think sometimes the message can go stale, right? Even from a captain. I'm not saying he needs to be stripped of his captaincy. Far from it. What I'm saying is, I think whoever the next head coach is should take a look at everything, right? And I and I wonder too, especially given the defensive lapses that led to some of this, mm-hmm. is that a just an issue of buy-in with what your head coach was saying and that back line not either being able to execute that plan or it didn't play to their strengths? Maybe it's some of that. Could it be some of it is like you mentioned, Aloy Room has at times, despite his tremendous shot blocking opportunity, there are times where I feel like. His footwork's not great. Yeah. Positioning's not great. He's not as aggressive at the six yard line that I'd like to see, you know, like that, 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 that's all just th- his approach to the game. Right. But you factor in, if that's something where maybe your back line is having trouble, if, if, if they don't believe in Jonathan Mensa as much as a leader, I don't know if he and the others do not believe in the game plan. If they are worried about Aloy room, maybe not philosophically playing the way they think. He, I don't know. I I'm, I'm trying to explore all options here, but we can acknowledge that any of those things in small parts can add up to a sum that makes it not work. And I don't, I don't want to see Jonathan Mensah stripped of his captaincy. I do. I'm not advocating for that. What I am saying is I think the next head coach should look into everything. Everything should be taken into account. Every player that was there last year, that's still there next year. There should be a closed door off the record. You and me only answer these questions for me. Do you believe in this guy? Right. What about this guy at this position? Like, I want those evaluations to come from the players as much as anything else. And then I want that coach to take that data and do something with it. So I think you nailed it. Whatever coach that you decide to go with, whether that's Thomas Tuchel or (laughs) Sean Dyke or, you know, whoever. I mean, Sir Alex isn't really doing anything. He's He's watching Liverpool and Champions League. Have him come over here. I mean, um, why not? I think you hit it on the head, right? I mean, everything has to be looked at top down with this roster. And you know, I think the good part is with you making this move as well is that you're going to get a fresh set of eyes in there as well. And you mentioned it. I mean, sometimes things can go stale, right? Yeah. I mean, you play it the same way. We're seeing the exact same thing with Liverpool this year. And look at them two years ago, just blistering pace, blistering. Mm-hmm. Did that Jurgen Klopp genius? Now Jurgen Klopp, nobody is arguing that he is a bad manager, right? Nobody's arguing that he's a bad manager. He's won a litany of titles. He's brought Liverpool back. But look at what's going on with him this You're year. You're saying no one's making that point. I thought you were saying like no one's arguing he's terrible. Then. No, You're saying, no. Yeah, no one's making no that one's point. Making that yeah, point. no one's calling him a bad manager. No one's calling him a bad it, manager. But it's not playing out quite the same way. But you look at what Jurgen Klopp has done, and they have a very specific style of play. And now this year, all of a sudden, teams are like, oh, they're doing the same thing that they've been doing to us to the, for the past two years, three years, four years since he's been here. We have a way around that. And maybe that's something when a new manager comes in, it's like, you know what? I don't have a problem with any of these guys. These guys are great. I'm just going to, you know, put guy X here and put guy Y over here, and we're going to have different tactics. And then maybe this team is world beaters. I don't know. But having a fresh set of eyeballs sometimes really does feel like you can open things up. And I saw you tweet this out from our Twitter account at bone beam United. If we were living in Euroland for a second right. with Caleb Porter, 
It doesn't matter. This I would mean, not have this. It would not have taken to the no. end of the season for this to happen. No, you wouldn't. wouldn't. Have, he would have made it through last year. Claudio Ranieri, after Lester won their unbelievable five thousand to one odds to win the world, the Premier League, and they did it. You can't even comprehend them actually doing that. They have a statue of the man outside of their grounds. As they should. Yeah. Because he pulled off one of the greatest upsets in sports history, whether it be soccer, football, hockey, miracle on ice, whatever it is. Yeah. It's one of the greatest over 38 games achievements that we've ever seen in the sport. They fired him literally in the middle of the year after they won the Premier League. Yep. That is That guy should have been given a lifetime contract and said, you know what? Thank you for everything you've done. They saw that they start to hit the tailspin, and they said, eh, we're good. Thomas Tuchel, same example. Won Champions League just a year and a half ago. Yeah. Eh, all of a sudden, it's not going great for us. I know we got a new owner. Psh, you got to go. Like, if this was a European sense, and you could have felt your team was on the edge of missing the playoffs back then, which I'm pretty sure that everybody did. Oh, you can't keep up doing this. You can't keep doing this. You're going to miss out on the playoffs. Well, guess what? That happened. It would have been all the way probably back in maybe April, May, June when yep. this happened. Yep. Instead, you waited. You wasted a whole year with this roster. Guys are getting a year older. You have contract situations that are a mess. And all of a sudden, you don't know what even to expect next year out of this team. No. you have, And that's that's it, man. This is a and, – and, and another issue that comes with Caleb Porter moving on Caleb Porter scouted Lucas Zellerayon mm-hmm. and brought him in because he felt like Lucas Zellerayon fit what he wanted to do. Darlington Nagby is here because Caleb Porter felt like he fit what he wanted to do. Both tremendous players can probably succeed in other of course, styles. Of course. Uh, Cucho Hernandez brought here because Caleb Porter felt like he could handle and do what they wanted him to do. There, I can't. Those guys are going to be back next year, one would assume, right? So whoever does take this managerial job is going to have to work with making this their system work with those guys. Mm-hmm. And that can be a little bit of a tough thing. And that's where I say next year could be really dicey. And because you have a situation where, yes, I think this roster has a lot of talent. You have to find a manager who's not going to come in and say, I want to blow it all up and build my team from Don't the do ground that. up. Yeah. Right. So we'll take a break and then we'll talk about, because I, I always get this from people like, oh, yeah, you want to see these guys fired. Well, who are you going to get to manage the team? We've already kind of talked about this a little bit, but we'll go in depth a little bit more on on the guy who I think should be the number one call and the number one option right now for the crew. We'll do that when we get back. It's Bone and Beam United brought to you by Zaftig Italian Village. Now back to Bone and Beam United. Brought to you by Zaftig Italian Village. So the answer at head coach for the crew who should it be um i think everyone who's listened to us has probably heard us mention this guy's name and we haven't even talked about the success that this team just had that he manages uh but we should we should spend some time on it before we go forward by the way title champs that's right crew two they won the mls next pro inaugural season of that even though there's been different iterations of something similar yeah. to that but this is the first time there's been an mls next pro two. First year there's been a crew two. First year that team was in that league and what did they do just decimated the decimated whole league. the league won the actual league points wise won the playoffs won the cup hoisted that at uh, lower.com field over the weekend that was a positive thing to see on saturday before the negative of sunday happened but then you had mvp 
on this team yeah. of the entire league and the coach of the year. Uh, you know, and that's, and that's, I think where we have to at least have a discussion, right? Laurent Courtois is a guy who played overseas. Uh, he's from Lyon and has actually coached in their youth system, but he came over to the crew in 2019 as a, you know, guy who was going to help with the Academy system, right? Yep. Help build that up. So he's, he didn't just show up this past off season, right? Take over a team that had some talent on it and say, all right, let's go. Now, this is a guy who's been a part of the academy system from a ground level the last few years. And the culmination of that effort does feel like, at least in some part, crew two has to, a lot of that success is not just because he showed up and the team was already built. You know what I mean? Like this is because he was a part of that whole organizational effort to make that academy system good and to get the kids to play better and eventually design a system with Caleb Porter instruction. Certainly Caleb Porter was a part of that too. Right. You, you work with the head coach when you direct the Academy, but yeah, of course, because the, the ultimate goal of that is a feeder system up to the senior team. Right. Work so within the boundaries of what I'm trying to work with, but it is hard to ignore how he was able to get his players to play at a level that they did where they just dominated their opponents. And when you watch them play, they were just fun to watch. They were not, it wasn't the slog. Oh, it was such a slog watching crew games this yeah. year. And and I know some people who maybe don't watch a lot of soccer, like it all kind of feels like that. No, it doesn't. I, I'm telling you, if you go in and watch crew two games, you'd know real quick if you had ever had a chance of liking soccer. Because yeah. if you watched a crew two game and you said, this is boring, then then it may not be for you. Correct. Because that, that was the opposite of boring soccer to me. And I don't know that Courtois is going to... I'm sure he's going to get the interview. I'm sure he's going to, I'm sure they are talking well, yeah, about this. A thousand percent should I mean, get an interview. Of course he should be, he should, in my mind, he should be the number one candidate. And I don't know if Bez is in charge of this hire. I assume he will be because the Haslam's were in charge of the last one. And, and I, again, they brought in Caleb Porter, mm -hmm. not a bad hire. I think Caleb Porter was right at the time to lead this team through that transition. Correct. They obviously got, I don't want to. I do not want to equate that 2020 MLS cup to luck, but it was something where you had uh, certainly a weird year with COVID, you know, no fans at a lot of these places. Oddly enough though. I mean, it, I don't even know what to attribute that whole run to other than everybody played together and played above their skis and, and Caleb Porter got them there. So credit to him for that. But like, I guess what I was thinking in my head was you had a lot of empty stadiums that team played in, Maybe that attributes to some of why the crew have, but then I, I was going to say we're have been bad on the road and they, they have not been great on the road, but they've been bad at home too right. under Caleb Porter. Like, I don't know what to attribute that to it. Playing in front of full stadium shouldn't be a problem. I for think me. his final number with the crew was like either 45, 45, 43 and 37. Yeah. Like it was literally almost just split all the way. 33, 33, 33. Yeah. It, it's it. Mike a race had a big article with a lot of numbers in it yesterday, but it was a great article that basically I don't want to, I don't want to, oversimplify his article, go read it. But it basically was that Caleb Porter was the picture of mediocrity. Yeah. Uh, yes. They won MLS cup. But if you look at that, like the highs that you got with Porter compared to these stretches of just not even just this year, yeah. look at last year where they had multiple giant losing streaks and you know, like a whole summer, it felt like where they just couldn't win a game. And then this year you had big streaks where they couldn't win a game. And you know, they also didn't lose a game. They just tied everything, but they, they weren't getting wins. And I feel like the next manager that you bring in has to have the balance of good motivator, 
good tactically, great tactically, able to work with what he is given. Because in the academy system, you, I mean, you can work to bring in your talent, but sure. at some point, like you do have these guys that they've teams invested in, and you've got to find a way to get the most out of them. That's something that I feel like Laurent Courtois has certainly some experience of doing. And it doesn't hurt that he had a tremendous run with this team. I mean, well, I can only help him. I mean, in that case. Well, and here's the other part. We don't know what the next two, three years look like for this roster, but, you know, Zella Ryan's not getting younger. Mensa's not getting younger. Nagby's not getting younger. These guys, these are veteran senior MLS players now. Pedro. Pedro, of course, right? Sure. Yeah, you've got a lot of guys with a lot of miles and minutes on their Aloy on their bodies. Room. Yeah, you've got and and that's why the I don't think we're not out of the window yet with this team, but I do feel like if you go out and bring in any I, we joke about Thomas Tuchel, right? But if you bring in Thomas Tuchel or anyone even remotely in that category or class, like let's say it's not a Champions League winning manager. <laughs> But if you Sean bring Dice, in, bring in Sean Dice. Right. Bring him in. If you bring in a manager from Europe who yeah. has a lot of experience there and comes over and says, now I want to come in and show MLS how it's done, that always fails. That, I mean, nine times out of 10 or 99 times out of 100, you bring in the European manager with Carlo European ways, They come over here bring and they over. fall right on their face and yeah. they're terrible for the first few years. On top of that, those big name, big or na- bigger name guys, they're going to come in and want to put their stamp on the roster. And they're going to instantly look at guys that are there before them and say, yeah, I didn't sign that guy. I'm not a fan of his Patrick game. Patrick Vieira, Thierry yeah. Henry. Right. I mean, now Vieira did have some success here, but he's also doing pretty well in the Premier League. He is doing very well in the Premier League. But my, my point is overall, I think the better play and the better way to go about it is to bring in someone that's in house where you don't have to bring them in. You don't have to, I, you have to change culturally what you're doing. Frankie Hayduk. <laughs> Let's make Frankie the manager. Hey, you, you, Frankie, people sleep on Frankie's tactics. Frankie knows what he's talking about. Go sit and listen to Frankie talk soccer. You will, you will have your ears blown off. Like just how that guy is wickedly intelligent when it comes to talking soccer. But I know we don't have manager shirts. I would buy a Frankie Hayduk manager. Jersey. I have. Uh, yeah. I mean, I know easy. that I would could, get, you could go I would, get a Frankie Hayduk jersey, Hayduk but jersey, I yeah. would get one with just manager Frankie. That's right. Yeah. Um, but man, I'll tell you what though, like the Frankie thing is interesting. You bring him up because one thing that he, he, I remember reminded of him a lot watching this team in a bad way, not towards him, but I just look around at these guys and I think, man, if Frankie Hayduk was on this roster, he would kick some ass. Yeah. And he, and that's the thing. Like Frankie wasn't cause he played, he was captain for the 08 team. And for those who don't remember that run or who don't have as much familiarity with it, you can download the cup podcast. You can do that, and you can hear a lot more about this. How I, many man hours did you put into that? Uh, I don't. I I just shook. My whole body shook when you asked that question because <laughs> I don't want to think about it. it. Was I mean over a hundred? I'm talking I, I know. over a hundred hours I to make it. six hours of content. It was something. Anyway, but but that team, Siggy Schmidt picked a guy that didn't think he should be captain. Frankie Haydick did not think he should be the captain. He said when when Siggy called him in and was like, you're going to captain this team, he said, I, are you, who, me? Why? The guy who's late to meetings, the guy who's, you know, the surfer dude, like, why me? And he said, because the guys listen to you. And again, I think the guys listen to Jonathan Mensah. But Frankie was the type of guy who, once it was his, it be, like, he he did the, you know, camaraderie, the barbecues. It was also a great together. way to motivate him. It mo- yes, and it motivated him. It gave him some some 
responsibility that no other coach had really put on him before. And it helped that Siggy knew him from when he coached at UCLA and he had coached, you know, Frankie there, but that ability of someone on the field, who's just going to pull a guy aside, get in their face and say what needs to be said. And I think Jonathan Mensa does that. What I do question outside of Mensa, how many other guys are there on this roster who grab a guy by the shirt and say, that's not good enough. And I don't know the answer on that. Again, not being in that locker room. I want to know how many of those guys exist. And so I don't feel like we saw it on the field. Mm -hmm. A lot of that cohesion that get into your face. I've got to, we've got to fight for each other. I didn't see this team fighting for each other the way that teams that are typically great do. And is that because everyone just hates each other? Could be, but is it, or is it because maybe the, the voice at the top got stale and, and not that Caleb Porter was a bad voice. He just wasn't the right voice to keep going with this team. My hope is that the next guy can come in, understand what the crew are about. Laurent Courtois can do that. Guy who can seemingly get his players to buy into a system that they are, will enjoy playing in. I don't remember ever seeing a photo of Crew 2 players without smiles on their faces. They seem to love playing for that guy. And a guy who definitely has the pedigree, the background to relate to guys to say, European soccer? I get that. I've played there. Uh, being able to coach? I've coached in Europe. I understand all that too. I understand what you guys, some of you have European aspirations. I understand all that. But I also understand what we do here in MLS. And I do understand what this league is about. And I think that is a that is a good opportunity to take a guy with a roster that maybe has a couple years shelf life and give him a chance to run it. And if in a couple years it doesn't work out, no harm, no foul. He can go back to, you know, maybe he goes somewhere else or maybe he comes back to running, you know, developmentally all the stuff the crew are doing, whatever. But it would give him a chance to prove himself at MLS level. If that run does not work out over a couple years, I don't think he's going to come in and want to fire half the roster. Right. If anything, he'll promote some guys from, from crew two, which I think would be a welcome sight. Yeah. And he might have a better idea of how to handle that and right. put those guys into place. All I'm saying is that seems like the keeping status quo with the roster, but changing the voice at the top. This seems like the most obvious solution to me. Yeah. So watched a great video the other day of Jose Mourinho talking about the difference between captains, the difference between captains and leaders. And he went on, you know, classic Jose kind of winding road story yes, about the way that the chosen one. Right. Um, and he was talking, he was like, listen, you know, there's this misconception that the captain needs to be your best leader. He's like, and that's, he's like, it's not the case. The captain is the captain of your team and represents the entire organization. He's like, so sometimes they're great leaders. Sometimes, you know, it's just the person that is correct for the title of captain. Yeah, right. And he was going on and on and on and talking. He goes, once you find, and he goes, these, these players aren't just out there. He goes, once you find two leaders, three leaders, if you're lucky yes, on your team, he goes, everything's going to be okay. And so to your point about making sure that you find everything, whoever it is, whether it's Laurent Courtois or somebody else that takes over this job, you need to identify that on your team. And he went on, he had, I forget the, the player's name. He was like, you know, we're down two nil at halftime, whatever. I get a look from a player who's not a captain and he says, boss, give me two minutes. Yeah. Like as right, they're heading right. in, heading into the locker room, he comes in he goes, I did, I did that for you. I yelled at them. He could see that I was fuming. And then we went out one, three, two in the second half. Now I know that's kind of dumb analogy, but you need it's to, not. you need to identify who the leaders are on this team 
and the best way to move forward by making sure that they're out on the field. You yeah. know what I mean? And so right. to your point about like whole top-down organizational look, and we can go through some cons for Laurent Courtois. Like, sure, you can deal with youth teams and you coach over in Europe, but like, are you ready, obviously, to take over? Like, you're dealing with kids, obviously, in crew yes, two. You're dealing that- with younger players. Well, you know, the higher you get up, the egos go up, the money goes up, they're making more than you. Can you coach them when they're not listening to you? How do you respond to that? So I think there are some natural factors that are going against him That's in that true. capacity. Yes, but whoever takes over this team needs to identify whether it is Artur or Darlington Nagby or Cucho or whoever saying, I need players who are out on the field that are going to have pride in wearing this and won't let these games slip away in crunch time. Yeah. Well, and and here's the final part I will say about that whole leadership thing. And this is, this is kind of the, uh, the dark side of all of that or the downside or the negative take on this or whatever is that, Maybe, maybe like any organization, when you get too many people that are entrenched in positions, mm-hmm. it becomes very hard to shake up leadership and shake up organizationally how thing things to are do. done. Right. Which is why a lot of coaches, when they come in, say, all right, who's the captain? Yeah. Not anymore. Get rid of him. Move this guy out. Move that guy out. I need my guys in here. Oh, and that's what we always talk about, too, with the bump. Like when you see coaches get fired by the way there have been like four managers fired already in the premier league (laughs) like and you see what happened with burnmouth like get rid of their guy all of a sudden they've i think 10 points in the last four games for them over 12 so like you see there's a noticeable bump that happens and that's the expectation when a new manager comes in like if you do have to fire like all right well what happened what's different and again it's a different set of eyeballs it's i'm going to identify the leaders and maybe i have different tactics to do that but it all comes down to that like having uncomfortable conversations that maybe you didn't have and you got comfortable over the last couple of years right and i think i think that becomes a difficult place to be you know it is it's not easy that's not an easy conversation they're not easy conversations to have I don't think the crew needs someone who's a player manager who just comes in and makes everybody feel good. But I also don't think they need someone who comes in. And like you said, I don't, I don't know Courtois managing style. I've never seen one clip of him in practice. I've never, I've never been in a locker room with that guy and heard what he has to say. All I'm telling you is I see the results and I see the way his team plays and fights for each other. And it looks vastly different than how the crew played and fought for each other. This Maybe year. he's a horrible manager. Maybe, Maybe that's the guys on the field are all leaders right. saying, you know what? We're going to do this because we're, we, we, we know what to do. Right. Well, and that's the thing, man. Like you do not have to be everybody's favorite manager to be a good, like every player must not love you to be a good manager. In fact, some of the best managers in soccer get their guys motivated by the entire team basically saying we can't stand that guy and the captain going, yeah, yeah, I get it. He's rough to deal with. Let me handle him. What do you guys need? I'll go to talk to him whenever you have problems, you deal with me, not him. And that works. Like I, again, I'm not saying that's Caleb Porter. I'm saying that's some of the most successful teams you've ever watched have functioned that way. There's so many different trains of thoughts too, when it comes to identifying a new leader and a new coach, the biggest thing this team has to do is figure out how to maximize what this roster is. And and fix a few holes, right? I think you're. I love That's Pedro. Every transfer window. I want Pedro to, to be on the field. I know some people. I love Pedro Santos. That guy can do no wrong for me. He is he is one of my favorite players in crew history. I don't think he needs to be the only guy that can play left back on yeah. his team. Thousand you, percent. You need to have better options at left back. That's a noticeable thing you can fix. Uh, you need to have conversations about how your back line functions together, and you know what the best combo is back there, and stick with it. 
you need to have conversations about should this team be able to play more direct instead of just, you know, kicking the ball around. It is so pretty when they string together 27 passes and score a goal. It is beautiful. I love watching those where they break it down on the video and they put mm-hmm. the little like bing, bing every time the ball gets or like a check pat- mark every Yeah, step. like yep. a check. And they mm-hmm. show you that and it's so wonderful. I want this team to be more effective. I don't care if I don't care if it's beautiful smart soccer, right? I want it to be effective. I want this team to occasionally just play direct and go destroy someone for a half. And then be able to hold up in the back half of the game and actually not give away goals. Boy, do I have a guy for you, Diego Simeone. <laughs> My favorite. Let's bring him to Columbus. He's only making fifty million. Oh, a year sure, that'll be good. You'll get you'll get the most exciting soccer. I'd quit being a fan. Watched. I mean, thankfully, I don't have to worry about that. Oh, you don't think the Haslam's are going to put up fifty million dollars to bring in a guy who's maybe neighbor Eric asleep. was having illusions of grandeur and dreams of all of that happening. I I would quit being a fan. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, I mean, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But there's, I mean, there's a ton of questions, though. Yeah. I mean, I, all, by the are. way, the way that your roster is constructed and you just built this new stadium, which seems to have a curse on it, like there is pressure to win now. This isn't a job where it's like, all right, take over. We're going to rebuild for a couple of years. It's like there is still whoever ends up taking this job. That's a big job because we know the crew fans very, very easygoing, have no expectations for their team as well, especially knowing that the roster that they currently have, and if you go into the next year with a majority of this roster, expectations are still going to be there. Yeah. It's not where it's going to be like, oh, it's a five-year build. No, it's, it's, not. it's not. It's a big job still. It is, and it's a job that could immediately pay off for you. Um, so things to fix for this team, right? Obviously, you have to get a head coach. You have to get a head coach who can manage the current roster and acknowledge that that current roster has a couple years together max where it's still going to be effective, and they have to be ready to take that on because there's big investment in a lot of these guys. You have to fix your defensive issues, and I do think left back needs to be a position of high concern to go out and – and I, I know that they had this, you know, Milton Valenzuela thing that that – didn't work out the way they wanted it to, but that, that old situation, right? You don't even know what he would have been. He could have been hurt. He could right. have, he could have just not been effective. They need to address left back and get Pedro Santos back to where he's used to playing. Thing or, number one on their transfer. But, but also target. again, I want Pedro Santos. He can play like three different positions. Have him be that veteran voice that like, again, I keep going back to 2008. If he ends up being the Duncan out of this team, that was a good player, but maybe just other guys surpass him on the roster, but he's still a voice in the locker room. He's still a leader. He's still a guy who makes a lot of plays and is still effective in some games where you have a lot of fixture congestion. Have him. That's what I want. Ken, you cannot rely on him to play 90 minutes day in, day out. No. And you have to figure out how you, you know, score if, say, Cucho's out or if Zellerion mm. is, you know, getting bottled up because no one else can do anything on this roster. Like, you have got to get some more effective play out of your wingers. You've got to get some more scoring and, and not just from your starting 11. You've right. got to have 18 guys who can actually play. And so I think that's some of the issues that I see. Last thing I will say, and then we can wrap it up. What happened right after the crew won MLS cup? There were two significant changes that occurred at this team that I want to point to. One of them was the damn logo. Fix your stupid ass logo for final <laughs> Jesus. Can we, the crew, when they won MLS cup, had a circle logo. Then they've had two years of missing the playoffs with your dumb carabiner logo. It's cursed. Get it away from me forever. Ditch that thing once and for all. Second thing. Close down the stadium. Nope. 
No, because I know a guy who can win in that stadium. Laurent Courtois has shown he can win multiple games in that stadium. Even hoist that, cups in the he stadium. He hoisted it. He's, he's put a trophy there. It's not on him. That's not a problem. He got a trophy won in that stadium, so that's not an issue. The other issue is they do have something in that stadium that everyone hates or that everyone should hate. And they score a goal. What do we start doing? We start jackhammering things. And what happens after that? Then they go like, oh, jackhammer. I wish I had a job in construction. And then what happens? A goal goes right by you. Yeah. Stop distracting our players with the dumb jackhammer. Get rid of it once and for all. All right. I think I fixed everything. My, my fix, Thomas Tuchel looks good in black and gold. He, he does. That's my, looks, that's my big takeaway. He looks really good in that. And I, I actually told my buddy, Morgan Hughes, who, uh, Hosts his own podcast. Go check out Aces Radio at your own risk. He would want me to say Lord. that it's terrible, and why it does anybody terrible. listen? But I did. I did mention to him that it dawned on me that Caleb Porter had a was very good at getting teams to be a champion. Mm-hmm. He's not good at getting them to be the continuing champion. So I think we have to acknowledge perhaps Morgan Hughes, who is the continuing champion. He may need to just. Be getting a call as well. Laurent Courtois gets the first interview. Morgan Hughes, who single-handedly, I've heard, saved the crew by himself. Mm-hmm. Well, that and Keith Noss selling scarves out of the back of his trunk. I yes. mean, those are the two reasons that the crew got saved. And then after that, uh, I Frankie don't know. Frankie Hadick, three. Frankie Thomas Tuchel, four. Frankie Hadick should just be... We need to have Frankie Hadick just around in the locker room during any game where it's not going well, where the coach can just be like... Guys, I'm not going to talk. Frankie's going to talk to you for the entire time. Or you could just give him the management job. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's what you do. I don't know. All I'm telling you is there are solutions. Let's use one of them and get rid of the damn logo and jackhammer. Thank you. Uh, until next time, we didn't get in any Premier League, but. That's all right. That league stinks. <sighs> I didn't I didn't actually talk about Erling Holland at all this time, so I saved us the explicit rating today. I did see a fun fact about Erling Holland oh, good. his blistering good. goal pace. Yeah. He would need to average 43 goals a game for the next 16 years to catch Cristiano Ronaldo in his club club record. 43 goals a season. What did I say? 43 goals a game. Oh. <laughs> but well, yes, yes. Okay, that yes, cuz Cristiano Ronaldo did cross 700 goals. Mind mind-boggling. Literally just melted. Number. But he's been playing in all those farmers leagues. So oh, yeah. how, how do you score all these goals in you know goofball leagues right. that no one's ever heard of? Yeah, like the Premier League. I saw that Liga. stat and I literally I was like, oh, that's okay. ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous, man. That dude is ridiculous. All right, that's it for us. We will see you next week. Until then, good luck to the crew finding their next head coach. We'll see you next time.